This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. side of midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Well, if any of you should ever commit a murder, my guest this morning is your man. Just write to attorney Jeffrey Lickman in care of this radio station and send lots of money. And I mean lots of money because the defense of people who commit murders or are charged with having done so is quite costly and not the least cost is paying for the invaluable services of Jeffrey Lickman, who though... Although he's only a relatively young man, has already been compared to some of the greatest criminal defense attorneys in American history. Jeffrey Lickman has been very much in the news for his spectacular defenses of uh, a whole bunch of folks. Uh, successes in springing famous clients, negotiating incredible deals for others, and keeping others from ever seeing the inside of a courtroom. He's represented John Gotti Jr. That's where I first got to know him. El Chapo, the ultimate warrior, many other clients you've heard of, and countless others you haven't. These days, we all get to benefit from his analysis on the law and topics ranging from politics to baseball cards on his terrific podcast, which is really a must-listen. Even if you find that you don't agree with Jeffrey on anything, even if you find that you don't particularly like him, you still have to listen to this podcast because to listen to him break down a legal or a political issue is a a work of art. It's called Beyond the Legal Limit. It's available wherever podcasts are available. Jeffrey Lickman, it is always a treat to talk with you, my friend. It's been too long. Well, Frank, that was really something. I appreciate all that. Yeah, it has been too long. We should do this at least once or twice a year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know the hours are uh, are exactly what you're looking to do. Uh, it's very successful defense attorney. Wake up in the middle of the night to to talk to me about uh, cases you've uh, you've you've already talked about a hundred times. All right. Um, on a serious note, I got to ask you about this situation involving the Jordan Neely case. A, a very tragic situation of this uh, mental ill person killed on the train. Now it looks like the Marine who was trying to step in and do the right thing here by any objective measure, who strangled this man while he had him in a, a chokehold, it looks like he's going to be charged. Explain to folks um, what he's charged with and how you think this case looks from a legal perspective, not necessarily a moral or an ethical one. Well, he's charged with uh, manslaughter in the second degree, And that allegation is that he recklessly caused the death of Jordan Neely. And what that means is that in recklessness, um, he acted in a way that he was aware that there was a substantial and unjustifiable risk 
that his chokehold would uh, end in the death of Jordan Neely. Um, I frankly think this is a political prosecution uh, I, because his uh, Alvin Bragg's base screamed and yelled, we must have a, a murder charge, we must have something. And of course, uh, like a good boy, he did exactly what his base asked for. But tell me something. Try to imagine you're a New Yorker. You've ridden the subway 10,000 times. There is not going to be a single person on this jury who has not been in the subway, who has not seen a lunatic, a dangerous, threatening lunatic in the subway. We all have our stories. We've all seen it in our lives. And how many times have you seen videos of people on the subway screaming and yelling, punching, hitting, stabbing, whatever? We've all seen those videos. And what's the reaction that we all have, Frank? It's why didn't somebody right. do something? We all say that. Why is that jerk taking that video? Why isn't he trying to stop that woman from getting beaten, punched in the face, whatever? So you have a situation here where you've got a very violent very crazy man on the inside a, a, a small area inside a subway car. He's screaming and yelling. He's threatening passengers. He's saying he's not afraid to die. He's whipping off his coat. He's getting at the people's faces. Tell me, what happens next, Frank? We've all seen it. Right. You know what happens next. You know that somebody's going to get attacked one way or another. You don't know if this guy has a weapon. So what does the Marine do? Does he uh, sneak up behind them and hit him over the head with a baseball bat? Does he start punching him in the face? No. He tries to subdue him. He did something which was heroic. It was heroic what he did. He had no idea what Jordan Neely had in his pocket, whether it was a weapon. He had no idea that he had been arrested 42 times in the last bunch of years, that his last arrest was for uh, assaulting an elderly woman. He had no idea that he had been in and out of mental hospitals, and he put his life at risk simply to try to subdue the man. He didn't do it in a manner that was overly aggressive or overly physical. He put him in a chokehold to stop him, to subdue him. And, you know, there were people there that were helping him trying to subdue Jordan Neely. Why? Because he was fighting back. He was trying to stop Jordan Neely from attacking anybody else. He tried to simply subdue him. Had Jordan Neely simply stopped, given in, and said, enough, I've had enough, it ended right there. He wasn't going to kill him. He wasn't looking to kill him. He was simply trying to subdue him. But Jordan Neely kept fighting back. And one of the witnesses that was there said, we never could have imagined this could have ended in the death of mm -hmm. Jordan Neely because he was fighting back the entire time. He wasn't uh, gasping for air. He was fighting back. If the Marine had let him go, Frank, if he had let him go when he was fighting back, Tell me what happens next. Do you think that maybe there's going to be a, a, an attack, something dangerous, something horrible could have happened? Of course, the Marine had no choice. He felt there was a situation in which he had to stop an aggressive, crazy, violent guy on the subway. And once he had him, he had to hold on to him until he gave in. He didn't give in. He had no idea this was going to happen this way and, and nearly died. And it's, of course, it's a tragedy. We, we all agree that it's a tragedy. But don't blame the Marine. Blame New York City for failing to mm -hmm. take these crazy, violent people. Why are they on the subway? For, for, I mean, that's insane. Instead of this, this leftist mentality in New York City, which means we've got to let everybody be free. Everybody's got to be free, free, free. You know what? Now you've got a dead one. So now you've got to finally have somebody on the subway who tried to stop a crazy, violent person from hurting other people. And what's he get in response? What's his thanks? 
Well, he's facing 15 years in prison. No way he's going to be convicted. Um, if, if he has a competent lawyer, he will be acquitted because every single person that's going to be in that jury has ridden the subway and has experienced what the, the Marine experienced and knows that it's right to finally do the, the brave thing and try to stop it. Do you know Do you know his attorney, Thomas Kenneth? I know he ran for Manhattan DA against Alvin Bragg in 2021 as a Republican, and I, I think knowing how Manhattan votes, he probably had a good idea of how that race was going to turn out. Sure. But are you familiar with Thomas Kenneth as, as an attorney? Is this somebody that uh, folks that are rooting for an acquittal here should be confident in? Um, I don't know him well. I don't know his work well. Um, But, you know, look, he doesn't have a bad reputation, which is a positive. Nobody thinks he's an idiot. So respectfully, I think that he's going to be just fine. Um, he's, he's, He's a smart guy. He's a, as you said, he ran for DA. He has a clue what he's doing. I think he'll be able to figure this out. I don't see how Daniel Penny gets convicted. Now, it may be that he doesn't get acquitted because you're going to have people on the jury that are, you know, social justice warriors, and they have to put. They're going to think in their mind, white man killing black man. The white man's obviously, you know, guilty and needs to get the electric chair, and they're going to vote to convict. But you're going to have at least one out of twelve person persons where this argument is going to resonate. Why is it going to resonate, Frank? Because it's the truth, and it's the right thing to do. He risked his life. He had no idea whether Jordan Neely had a gun, had a knife, had something, a razor blade in his pocket. He risked his life to save his fellow New Yorkers. And if we can't do that, I mean, that's what you expect. That's the community that we all want in New York, is we want our neighbors to care about us and try to protect us. Instead, this guy's getting charged with manslaughter because you've got this political animal of a DA who's, you know, uh, who floats like a balloon in the wind to whatever uh, political advantage he can get. It's it's ridiculous. Well, one of the people that was publicly calling for uh, Mr. Penny to be charged, and he said he spoke to the DA specifically about this, is somebody that you've been friendly with from time to time and done some legal work for his associates, and that's uh, Al Sharpton. And a lot of folks are, are going to say, look, yeah, seeing Al Sharpton kind of publicly demand this person be charged and go to uh, someone that he's been politically associated with, the DA, and admit that he spoke to him and said, you have to charge this Marine, a lot of folks are going to say, well, you know, how could you do legal work for someone like that or be friendly like that? What do you say to those folks uh, before they all start calling in angrily complaining? Well, look, you know, Al Sharpton, the things that he says, I certainly don't agree with everything. Um, It really is a case-by-case basis. And look, you know, you you don't make these alliances, Frank, where you automatically go with everything a person says. Of course. You yeah. take them one at a time, just like just like a political issue. If you're a Republican, you shouldn't automatically say, well, everything Republicans are for, I'm for. You look at each issue individually. With regard to Al Sharpton, he's wrong. He's 100% wrong. If he was here in the room with me, I'd shake his hand, we'd have some laughs, and I'd say, you're wrong, and this is why you're wrong. He said that this was comparable to Bernie Getz. Well, I think it was and Eric Garner and we yeah, and and both. He said it was a combination of Bernie Getz and Eric Garner. Yeah, the Getz case was, was eighty three or eighty four. Can't even you can't even compare the two because Bernie Getz was in a subway and four young men came up to him and said, "Give me five dollars." And what did he do? He knew full well that he was about to get mugged, and he probably was because they all had screwdrivers in their pockets. Not that he could see it, and he whips out a gun and starts shooting. Now. Some of the bullets ended up in the backs of the four men. One of the men was laying on the subway uh, bench spread out. He shot him in the spine. Guess what? 
he was acquitted of attempted murder. He was only convicted of having an illegal gun. So when Sharpton says, well, you know, vigilanteism wasn't uh, acceptable then with Bernie Getz and it's not acceptable now, well, guess what? It was acceptable. Right. The thing that wasn't acceptable was carrying an illegal gun, which there's no allegation Daniel Penny did. Uh, All right. I got to pick your brain on a few other issues because I could talk to you about this uh, this stuff all day. The uh, verdict in the uh, E. Jean Carroll uh, Trump case, uh, the jury found that Trump defamed her. They found that he had committed sexual assault, but they found that he did not commit rape. Uh, give me your your take on the the verdict to begin with, and then I have a couple of questions about sort of the bifurcated nature of uh, the jury finding sexual assault but not rape. Well, you know, look, I think that this was an absolute disaster for Trump. I thought when the case started, this was a case that he couldn't possibly lose. It's a civil case. Um, I just didn't think it was possible. There was, there was almost no evidence that she didn't go to the police. She didn't have any injuries. She didn't scream. Um, you know, she didn't. She told two people that happened to be very politically against uh, Donald Trump. She's got a history of, uh, of great fiction. She was a Saturday Night Live uh, writer. She's written books with, with fantasy parts in the books. There's really nothing there. And then all of a sudden she comes decades later, just when Trump is running for president and gives this whole story up. You've got a president. Yes, I understand that people in New York City don't like him. But you know what, Frank? you got nine people. Mm-hmm. You're telling me that one person out of the nine is not a Republican or at least an independent? It's, it's just not true. And the idea that Trump couldn't, couldn't get a fair trial, that's just B.S., that's just excuses. It's just ridiculous. This case should have been won. I'm shocked that, that he lost, and he lost with such alacrity. I mean, the jury came back, you know, like five minutes later and found him responsible for the, the sexual abuse. It's absolutely stunning, and naturally for Trump, uh, you know, he's spinning this as a big win. I'm not a rapist. Isn't this great? I'm not, well, you know, slow clap, man. You just got uh, found liable for sticking your fingers against the woman's will in her vagina. I mean, that is something. Oh, you're just the president of the United States. You're, you're a big hero for the fact that you won that battle. This is the Trump mentality. It's an idiotic mentality. And what's painful for me is a Republican who simply just wants a Republican to win the White House in 24 is, my God, we should be talking about Title 42, about the fact that you've got thousands of illegals streaming over the border from Mexico, coming all the way up from the bottom of South America. You've got violence all over the country in every big city. Nobody's talking about any of it. All we're talking about is Trump, Trump, Trump. And no independent after that verdict, if you thought it was bad before, granted he's got his base that's going to support him, but independents don't want this. People are exhausted by this. They just don't want it. So that's why it's painful for me to see that all the air gets sucked out of the room again. And nobody cares about Joe well, Biden. Nobody's yeah. even talking well, about it. Well, I'm going to ask you about the political implications of this and a few other things we've seen uh, recently in a second. But just to back on to the legal aspect of this. How does the jury find uh, for sexual assault but not rape? I mean, you've been you've spoken sure. to jurors. Yeah, tell yeah. me. Well, the rape, he had to put his penis in her, in her vagina, period, end of story. With regard to the sexual abuse, it had to be another part of his body that he put into her vagina. They obviously believed her when she said that uh, he put his finger inside her, but they didn't believe with regard to the penis. And I think the way they came back so quickly 
you know, this isn't any kind of great, um, you know, deliberation. I think they went in the back and half the people said, yeah, you know, everybody said that he did something and that he needed to be found liable for this, which means the defense was a complete, there were no hit. They were shut out, no hit, completely destroyed. And I think some of the people said, look, we believe that he just stuck his finger in. Other people say, well, we think that he raped her. And they said, listen, what's the point? We're the ones that are going to decide how much money she gets. What's the difference? He's Mm. guilty of some kind of sexual abuse. And they quickly made a decision, let's just settle and not fight over the sexual abuse. Otherwise, they would have been out for days. Instead, they were out literally enough time to order lunch, eat the lunch, and then leave and go home. And that's what happened. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. One of the things that, uh, that I said is that I thought uh, it was a mistake for uh, Trump not to testify. Obviously, that would have opened him up to cross-examination, which I'm sure they were hoping to avoid. But how, I don't know how you have a he said, she said case where the jury only hears one side. They never got to hear Trump deny it, even though he loudly denied it in uh, the town hall meeting on CNN this week and in the deposition and in the media. But he didn't get on the stand. Was it legally a mistake? for him not to testify? Well, of course it was. I mean, everything that, that happened here is you know, is just about all Trump's fault. I mean, he's in Scotland golfing and, and while there's this incredibly important trial going on. It just shows that he has no respect for the process, no respect for the jurors. Everybody in the jury, assume this, everything that was happening outside the jury room, outside the courtroom, the jury knew about. Mm-hmm. They're looking at their phones, they're looking at the media, and they knew full well that he's in Scotland. And then he says, I have to cut my trip short because I have to rush back to New York and confront this horrible, lying woman. That's why Judge Kaplan said, well, you know what? I know that we've already said, you've said that you're not going to testify. This is over the weekend. Now I'm going to give you an opportunity until Sunday. Because Kaplan was basically calling his bluff and said, hey, I don't want you to say later that you weren't given the chance to defend yourself, which, of course, Trump did. And Trump, of course, naturally refused to testify because he knew that he would get his ass kicked in the courtroom because because she had a competent lawyer and he was going to get destroyed. Some of the answers he gave during the depositions were so preposterous, Frank. Like, you know, for the last million years or so, men have been getting away, fortunately or unfortunately, <laughs> with sexual assault. In what planet? In on what universe on what milky way is it uh, uh, fortunate for someone to get away with sexually abusing somebody that's just some of the stuff the fact that he misidentified marla uh, uh, uh he misidentified e Jean carroll uh, do you remember the old e vincent uh commercials for howard stern yeah of course absolutely and you know how yeah. he would say e vincent yeah, yeah, exactly. I do. Can you say it for us? Can you do it for us? <laughs> e. Vincent. <laughs> so whenever I see E. Jean Carroll, that's E. Jean Carroll. That's all I can think of. Anyway, he, he mistook E. Jean, e. Jean Carroll for Marla Maples. <laughs> and, then, and then he 
says that she's not his type. And meanwhile, he thought that E. Jean Carroll back then, about the time that he uh, supposedly uh, raped her, uh, was his wife. But the best lie of all, but the stupidest thing, was that he didn't recognize that Ivana was in the picture as well with him. So he's not only misidentified E. Jean Carroll uh, as his second wife, but he didn't recognize the fact that his first wife was there. In what circumstance could it possibly be that Ivana and, and Marla would be two feet from each other smiling and laughing? It never happened. That's how completely addled and out of it he is. Uh, one of the things that uh, Alan Dershowitz, who you've told me, is the greatest uh, appellate attorney in America, and you've said you don't know, even know who'd be a close second. One of the things that he said, and Judge Andrew Napolitano has said publicly, is that they think uh, this is going to be overturned on appeal. Do you share that view? No chance. No. Zero chance. Zero chance. Some of the issues on appeal are so comically laughable that I hear the things that are coming out from the Trump cap, and I'm thinking, they, they have to be saying this for Trump's, uh, you know, for his uh, appetite because he wants to hear this stuff because any real lawyer knows that these things are idiotic. I'll give you an example, one of them. Uh, they didn't let us uh, ask E. Jean Carroll the fact that uh, she used to call her husband John Johnson an ape. Okay, that, that was one of them. She named her cat Vagina. I have to ask you, Frank. What in the hell does that have right. to do with her credibility yeah, he... <laughs> about whether or not she was raped in this dressing room in Bergdorf? These are the kind of things that a first-grade lawyer knows are not real issues. The next one, that they had an anonymous uh, jury. And I hear that one of the Trump lawyers said, well, normally in mafia cases, when they have anonymous juries, we get the lawyers get the names of the, of the jurors. Guess what? Earth to Trump's lawyers. I've done some of these mafia trials with anonymous. No. We don't get the names uh, of, of the jurors at all. We get background. We get schooling. We get their favorite television shows. We get their work. We get their education. Why does it have to be anonymous? Because of Trump, because he's got a history of attacking people that are against him, including all the judges and all of his cases. So that's not going to work. I don't see any way that this is going to get uh, reversed. Is it possible that some of the money may get knocked down? Yeah, but who cares? The money's not the issue here. It's the fact that he is now a sexual abuser, and this is just his first of many trials. Well, and it's sad because he lost his last trial, if you remember, the Trump Organization in the fall, and he lost this trial, the sexual abuse slash rape case. And so now he's 0 for 2, and he's going to take all the lawyers that lost those cases and bundle them together, and they're going to be trying the next criminal case. Well, I want to ask uh, you about that next criminal case. With people just came, we're talking with Jeffrey Lickman. You could check out his podcast, Beyond the Legal Limit. There are great stories in there about uh, some of the cases that he's worked on, or, and there's also a lot of great insight about some of the uh, cases that uh, are in the news these days. You could check out the website, beyondthelegallimit.com, or just search Beyond the Legal Limit on iTunes or wherever podcasts are available. Do you, it, so it, needless to say, it does not sound you think he was like you think he was well served by his attorney in this case, Joe Tacopina. You know, I, I don't know that I would that be willing to say that. I think there should have been a law person on the on the defense side. You know, by all accounts that I read, Kaplan was just abusing him in the courtroom and humiliating him in front of the jury. And that's not a good thing because the jury looks to the judge as sort of their father protector. And if they see that the judge has no respect for one of the lawyers, then they're not going to have any respect for one of the lawyers. So that sucked. Uh, judges can be nasty like that because they've got a personal animus. And there should have been a law guy in there going up against Kaplan when he was stopping 
the cross-examinations and saying, you know, you don't understand what the word argumentative means and reading from Black's Law Dictionary during uh, the trial, that wasn't that wasn't good. That, uh, and I felt bad for Tacopina for that, because sometimes you get judges that just hate your client or just sometimes they hate you. But that's what you have to do as a defense lawyer. You're there all alone, Frank. You've got the entire world watching you. You've got a judge who wants to kill you. You've got prosecutors that want to kill you. The public hates your guts for defending somebody like this. You've got all this team sitting at the table behind you. And you know what? They're there but they're not really there. You're there naked alone in the, in, in the center. Well, everybody's got a gun pointed at you. And you know what? You need to figure your way out of the problem. If you can't figure your way out of the problem, you don't just stop a cross-examination and meekly give up. You got to go in there and figure out a way to get that question in one way or another. So I don't know that I think that having a law guy there would have helped. And it's not always the case that every guy who does cross-examinations is also a great um, appellate guy, a great legal guy. So that's why it helps to balance out the team to have somebody there who can take that kind of pressure off you. He didn't have that. And, you know, I thought that was a mistake. A good law guy, a guy like Alan Dershowitz, would have really served Trump better. But I think that there's a very uh, small bench of people that mm. really want to represent Trump at this point because it's just, it's not worth the hassle. And that's sad. I mean, I don't blame that on Trump. I just blame that on the fact that the public hates him so much. That as a lawyer, who who wants this? Who wants the the trouble, the the harassment, the threats, the abuse? At some point, it gets tiring. The um, the conventional wisdom around the time that he was that Trump was indicted in the Manhattan case was that this was the weakest of all the criminal cases that uh, that Trump was facing. He's facing this grand jury situation in Georgia regarding uh, election interference. There's the federal investigations into both the documents case and the January sixth case. Do you do you view that conventional wisdom as being accurate? Do you think the Manhattan criminal case is the weakest of all the forthcoming Trump prosecutions. By far. I mean, that, that case is frankly a joke. Um, I, don't, I don't look. I also didn't think that he'd be found liable in the uh, sexual assault case. And I was wrong. I don't see how he would get convicted in the criminal case. It's simply too weak. But they've got other cases against him that are bad. And then he goes on CNN town hall last night. And he's putting forth positions that are completely inconsistent with regard to the records that he took from the White House. And he's saying things that are different than what his lawyers sent in uh, to prosecutors. And it's painful. As a defense lawyer, you've got a client. He doesn't listen. He does what he wants to do. And it's a problem. So I don't, I don't think that – I think it's going to continue to get worse. He couldn't say for, with certainty that he didn't show these secret documents to other people. Well, guess what, Frank? If you show top secret documents to people that don't have the appropriate security clearance, you know what happens? You go to jail. Well, uh, Trump he, has he this say that. bizarre theory that if you think about declassifying it, they're declassified. No. It's, a, it's, a, it's a theory. I never went to law school, but it's a theory in following legal cases that I've never heard from a constitutional law professor. That's for sure. Hey, um, while I have you here, I have to ask you about this George Santos situation. He's been indicted uh, federally. I think he's facing 13 counts. Uh, he's facing potentially, they say, as much as 20 years. Uh, give me a prediction on where this George Santos situation goes. So he's getting convicted of something. I mean, he's going to get voted out of office probably before he even has the trial. I, I was a little bit uh, queasy watching him outside the, the courthouse, and he tried to channel his inner Donald Trump by saying, witch hunt, witch hunt, and people started booing him. Look, this guy has lied. It, it, as bad as you 
as anybody might think Trump is, and plenty of people think, you cannot compare. Trump at least was a successful businessman. He's got some substance. George Santos is just like a mental patient, and, and he's cheated and lied, and he's stolen. He, he's, he's a horrible person. Everything about him is a lie. And he says, a witch hunt? How is this a witch hunt? But what the lesson is for you, Frank, is that the Democrats don't mess around. Uh, these are disgusting people in my mind, but they go after you. If they can take you out politically, they do it. If they can't take you out politically, well, they're going to take you out uh, with an indictment. Well, and it that's does, what they're doing. It does sound like Santos committed some crimes here, though. For sure. Right. There's no question. He's going to lose. And I don't know that he'll go to jail for this stuff. None of it's really that great, but he'll be a felon when this is over. But I, I absolutely suspect that he's going to uh, be voted out of office beforehand. I don't think there's even any question. But, you know, look, the, the, the people that believe, and I want to just go back one point, that you made about thinking that you can declassify information. That's like the my pillow people. Okay. The my pillow people that are handing out those those coupon codes and that's all they're talking about is trying to get a few bucks, grift a little bit here, grift a little bit there. That's the MAGA mentality. They'll just say something, they know it's not true, and they'll just assume that people will believe it because, you know, they think people are as dumb as they are, period, uh, end of story. Let me uh, ask you also about the possible charges that Hunter Biden is rumored to be facing. Uh, James Comer, the House Oversight uh, Committee chairperson, made a big deal about a lot of shell companies that were funneling millions to the Biden family this week. But the reporting that's publicly available is that um, he's facing misdemeanor counts for failure to file taxes, a felony count of tax evasion, and maybe even a felony count related to a gun purchase. He's retained a very high-priced attorney who actually formerly represented Jared Kushner. Uh, Give me your take legally, not necessarily politically, on the Hunter Biden situation. I think he's uh, dead on the gun issue with regard to the gun application. I think the issue was whether he ever had any kind of substance abuse problems, and he said no. I think he's dead on that. But these are minor things. With regard to the tax evasion, minor thing, I'm sure he's guilty. With regard to the the big stuff, which is the fact that he was using um, the Biden family name to funnel tens of millions of dollars to the family, you know, look, that's what we're here for. I don't know enough about the evidence to opine on it, but based on the, the, the general scumminess of Hunter Biden and his father and, you know, the daughters and the, the, the he's having sex with his brother's wife Wife and then her daughter and i mean this family is is so disgusting on so many different levels i have no doubt that they were selling the biden name for money because none of them actually have jobs frank i don't know if you've noticed none of these bidens actually work all they do is grift and steal which tells me politicians are politicians you can't trust any of them i can't stand biden i can't stand trump you know, this is what I'm looking for one honest man. I'm hoping that Ron DeSantis is the guy. You're like Diogenes to think in ancient Greece, well, Diogenes searching for one honest man. So you a lot of people may hear your criticism of Trump, uh, both substantively and stylistically, and say, oh, the, if people don't know your history, this is a uh, just a knee jerk liberal who hates everything conservative or anything Republican. That's uh, certainly not the case. And it, I know you had said previously in our conversations that uh, your preference would be DeSantis for 2024, and that's an easy victory for him and the Republicans in the general election. It's looking like, in spite of all these scandals, Trump has actually widened his lead over DeSantis in the primaries. Let's say it's a Trump versus Biden rematch in 2024, which I think at this point it looks like it will be. You're still voting for Trump. 
Well, I didn't vote for Trump the last two times, but I also didn't vote for, for the Democrat. And I would never vote for a Democrat for the rest of my life. My vote doesn't matter anyway. I live in New York. It doesn't mm-hmm. make a difference. They, you know, the Democrats could run um, Attila the Hun. They could run Stalin. They could run Hitler. And, they, and that uh, man would win the New York vote. Um, look, all I care about is getting the White House back you know, for Republicans. Trump clearly can't win. There's no chance he's going to win. I know that people still, for some incredible reason, think – that he can beat Biden or whatever other slop that they put up there as, as the nominee. There's no chance. There's only six states that really matter, the swing states. Trump's not winning them because independents really just don't like them. They're just sick and tired of them. That's all it is. Independents are moving away from them. I think that his base is shrinking. And these polls right now, we know they don't mean anything. When push comes to shove, it's nobody wants to deal with Trump for four more years. Of course, they shouldn't want to deal with Biden. I mean, he's absolutely destroying the country. But I really do believe that DeSantis, he's accomplishing so much in his time as governor. People would actually, you know, get off their emotional attachment to Trump and actually see that, that, that DeSantis is everything that Trump claims that he is but isn't. You know, in some of the – almost too much. You know, he's made this, uh, this abortion ban, I think, is it is six weeks, Frank, in Florida? I think it's preposterous, and that may cost him a general election if he ever does win the nomination, because America loves abortion, and it's just going too far. Trump, on the other hand, has also criticized the, uh, the people that are against abortion. For some reason, his base, which is so hardcore conservative, they claim, they seemingly look the other way when Trump talks about the fact that he doesn't necessarily dislike abortion. And that's, you know, this is the kind of hypocrisy we deal with. You know, as as political watchers. Obviously, you're very vocal on the radio and on your own podcast about different political issues. You are the least politically correct person that I know in the way you speak about uh, political figures, including many of whom are very popular in New York. Now, you're a trial attorney in New York where uh, a juror could decide not to like you for the kind of wristwatch you have. Are you ever reluctant because of how you make your money, which is as a criminal defense attorney, to be be so outspoken, knowing that a lot of the opinion, the opinions that you're expressing may be anathema to a lot of the people that may end up in your jury pool. No. I mean, look, I'm a criminal defense lawyer and I win a lot of my trials, most of my trials. Guess what? If I can't persuade people you know, to go with me over that hill, to follow me towards an acquittal, Come on, I'm in the wrong business, and the world needs ditch diggers, too. So I think I can persuade people regardless of of my politics. And look, my politics are all over the place. That's right. That's what I love about you. That's even when we when we agree and when we disagree. I uh, love hearing your thought process, your logic and the way you put together an argument. Uh, Jeffrey, it's always a treat talking with you. Hope we can get together soon. Thanks so much, Frank. Appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, 800-848-9222. If you want to comment, that's 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Moreno. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. Midnight.